All right, well, good evening and welcome to another episode of Take the Two. Now, obviously, plenty of talking points both on and off the field this week. And I guess we'll just jump straight in with Origin. And I know last week we spoke about, you know, the favouritism tag that New South Wales had, guys. But I don't think any of us would have seen such an annihilation coming at, obviously, New South, New South Wales, you know, blowing Queensland off the park. And it just went all wrong for the Maroons. And... In the end, it was the Tom Trebojevic show again in many ways on, on that right edge. Yeah, it was amazing. I think from the very beginning, from the very start of the game, um, they just came on from the first minute and blew them away. Their organisation in the team, the finishes, of course, with, you know, Turbo as well. And it was just a perfect, it was honestly a perfect performance. You can't fault it. And um, it was amazing to see, really exciting stuff. Really disappointing from Queensland, though, because we always do expect that, I guess, Queensland spirit and attitude um, to come through when it's Seemed to go a bit missing on Wednesday night. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't that close game that we were expecting. But New South Wales, to their credit, they just used that outstanding back line to their full advantage. We thought last week that potentially the smaller forward pack could come back to hurt. Uh, New South Wales up against a very star-studded uh, forwards lineup for the Maroons with Tino Fasu and Malawi, David Fafita, Christian Welch as well. Obviously, the injury to Welch early in the game, uh, the concussion really uh, get, knocked Queensland back. And unfortunately, from there, they were just on the back foot and we saw... It uh, didn't really matter with that uh, forward pack for the Blues. They were able to get out of their own end for the likes of Brian Toto and Tom Trebojevic. And then once they were down the other end, they just had way too much strike. Yeah, it was an interesting one. I think I think last year it worked for Queensland. Obviously, you know, Kurt Capewell was probably one of the best players of the series, or at least the last couple of games in the 2020 series, obviously played at the end of the year given the pandemic. But I think, and I mean, I guess there's, as a Penrith fan, you probably see a lot more of Capewell than we do in that. But I think having Tom Trebojevic on that side, you could tell that he just couldn't keep up with just mm. the, you know, the quickness, the ball playing smarts that Tom Trebojevic has, um, and like you know, like we see every week. And I think equally, that just just some of the positional decisions that were made by Paul Green by Queensland. I mean, carrying AJ Brimson as your utility when. He's really only a one to seven guy. I mean, I I would have thought it would have made so much more sense to pick someone like Ben Hunt, who can cover the halves, can cover hooker, and I mean, if you need yeah. to, he can fill in that lock like a like your you know your your smaller hookers tend to do in in the modern day age of rugby rugby league now anyway. So it's just they were let down from the start with some of the positional decisions, and you know, obviously had an impact in the game and they just couldn't cope with New South Wales in any way, shape or form. Yeah, they couldn't. Like, on that note with Capewell, in attack, he was just rendered completely useless effectively because he was shut down so well and then he was exposing defence a little bit as well, which we, we saw multiple times with Turbo. But I think it really came from the heart for, for, for Queensland and, and that's fine. The spine just failed to fire in any way. They failed to have any sort of cohesiveness together. Um, even someone like Munster, who we've just seen time and time again rise to the occasion in the big games, and he, he so often pulls out something where there's absolutely nothing. And he just was completely ineffective that game. Um, and I think that's where we really, you know, our spine just was, and of course the back line, it goes without saying, was incredible, but the spine just worked so well together um, for New South Wales, and it just really did kind of squash anything Queensland had before the game even started. Yeah, and I think it would be a huge boost of confidence for Freddie Fittler after uh, last year's series where he copped a, a bit of a whack for picking guys out of position and arguably the two best performers for the Blues were Trell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic were both out yeah. of position uh, on Wednesday night and I think it's such a credit to those two guys. 
uh, what we've been able to see from them over the last couple of years. Obviously, they weren't in the series last year uh, due to injury, so it uh, just goes to show what an impact two guys can have on this side. Obviously, James Tedesco, we mentioned him last week, one of the best players over the last couple of years in the world, and he was barely needed on, on Wednesday yeah. night because it was just all Tom Travojevic and Latrell Mitchell, and Will Iron Cleary did a superb job, as you mentioned, then that steering them around. And he, I think Tedesco did a very good job in letting um, Turbo take kind of the fullback role, effectively, because that's the way Turbo was playing. He was playing like a second fullback, and our actual fullback was kind of just taking a back seat and just letting it all happen. He was there when he needed to be, but he wasn't doing everything like he's so used to doing in the Origin game. So he played yeah. his role perfectly, you know? Yeah, and that's 100% a massive credit to James Tedesco that he's able to flick that switch because obviously this week as we go back into club footy, we're going to see him now dominate the ball again for the Roosters as he's done uh, without Wikiria over the first 12 weeks of the season. Yeah, exactly. It was, just, it was really good to see that. So I think everyone did their, job, their, their role so well. Um, I even saw Luai playing, you know, he almost played as a bit of a third fullback as well, the way he roams around. Um, so it was just, there was strike player from every, there was strike power from everywhere and it was just, it was awesome to see. So I guess from obviously from a Queensland perspective, they've got a lot to think about, you know, just based on the way that they played. The assumption is that obviously Kalen Pong has been named for Newcastle this week, so we'll, you know, which which we'll discuss later. So you'd expect him to come back into the side, and I think obviously they've got a lot of soul searching to do. The second game is obviously at Suncorp. I guess if there's any, you know added motivation that Queensland will have. It's the fact that they will be in front of a home crowd of, you know, 50,000 up at Suncorp. It, what do they need to do to try and level the series up? Obviously, based on game one, you'd, you'd think it's a it's a long shot and, and, you know, rightly so. But if they're going to do anything, where do they need to go better? I think they had missed opportunity. There are flaws in the Blues game that they didn't, they failed to capitalise on. For example, Ryan Tuor, who is a fantastic player, I wouldn't trade him for anyone in the world. He is not fantastic under the high ball, which I think was something that was spoken about him prior to him making his debut. And I think they kicked it to him twice all night. And the one, one of the times he did kick it, it actually did work. And there was a bit of a, a bit of a, um, he, he dropped it. I think he didn't drop it, but he just, he didn't catch it on the pool like he was, like he should have. So I think they should go back and have a look at the Blues, have a good look at the individual players, pick up on the flaws in their game and actually try and capitalise on them. Because that's what they failed to do so badly. Um, and they just had missed opportunities given, given the fact they failed to do that. Yeah, and I think that comes down to putting your team in the right position at the right time. Uh, while they didn't kick to Toto uh, very much, I don't really think they were in a, a position to for a while stage of the game. They were kicking out their own end. The Blues were absolutely dominating them. Having for some of the stats... Uh, both sides had very similar runs, 186 for the Blues, 178 for the Maroons, but the Blues ended up with uh, 600 more running metres with 1,800 compared to 1,200. So it's about really pushing through the middle of the field, uh, winning that middle third of the ruck, as it always is in origin. Queensland don't have the firepower to put on 50 points on this Blues lineup, but it, they can definitely win a game 12-10, 18-12. They've just got to be able to get in there, get into the fight, and I think they were they're pretty much out of the game in the first half very early on on Wednesday night, so they can stay in there. There's always a chance at some goal. Yeah, they certainly need a lot to go their way if they're going to be the blue side that looks red hot. And I guess the good thing is for club sides, the majority have welcomed back all their origin stars this week. You know, your, your Panthers and that, obviously, Manly. With Tom Trebojevic, the Bunnies get their players back on deck. The Titans obviously get their Queensland forwards back as well. So, I mean, it's we're certainly going to be in for an interesting origin match, which is just around the corner, and there's plenty of good club action to look forward to. And we get started 
with the Broncos and the Rabbitohs. Now, I guess it was a bit of the the Broncos of old, and I say yeah. of old, obviously of the you know that early 2021 period where I guess the defense was just non-existent, and you know they essentially made Canberra probably look better than they were. Can't mind you, Canberra were better than they have been in this last six to eight weeks, but certainly wasn't helped by a Broncos side that were not great overall. And, you know, equally the Bunnies probably not at their best overall again in that win against the Knights, but they got the job done. But I think for me, one Broncos guy or one Broncos player that that, that stood out in what was a average performance overall was Tessie, Tessie New. Obviously, you know, his first game back after, what, six, six weeks or if not more and, you know, slotted into, into fullback and, you know, did his job. And, and I think that's that's just what Brisbane need, that just whoever's picked, just if you lose, you lose. But, you know, go out with, with some dignity, you know, rather than sort of just being that side that rolls over. Yeah, I think you find with Brisbane, they're such a young team and they're, they're undoubtedly talented. Some of these players that are coming up are really excellent players, but they're being, as a team, they're not cohesive and they're not working well together as a team. But it does, you know, give that opportunity for the, the guys to go out and just give 100%, give your own best performance, and they will be better for the experience moving forward. So it's good to see young guys like that, you know, giving their all and improving their own careers at least and hopefully, you know, improving the unit as time goes on. But I really am disappointed in Brisbane. I feel every week I consider tipping them, thinking, you know, we've seen glimpses when they beat the Bruces, you know. We've seen when they played Penrith, they were really good. We've seen glimpses of them being really good, really high-effort plays. And then they just kind of capitulate as well against someone like the Raiders. And that was a really good opportunity for them to, to put their stamp on the game and say, we're here and we can beat some teams. And they just failed to do so. Yeah, definitely. And on the flip side of that, the Raiders, they really bounced back to form. Obviously, they were helped by Brisbane's poor play there for much of the game. But it was their two main men, Josh Papali'i and Jack White, who really just put the side on their back yet again. Uh, but one guy who I think flew a little bit under the radar and he's moved back to fullback is Bailey Simonson. Uh, Bailey Simonson. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, last year before Charles Nickel Clockstad uh, moved into that fullback role, I think Simonson was, uh, yeah, I think he was destined to, for that fullback position at the start of the year before uh, CNK put in a really good position in the trial match down there uh, before the year. And I think this might be a, a more of a permanent switch for Simonson. Even once uh, Nickel Clockstad comes back into that squad, if he can keep up this level of form, two try assists, uh, he had a wine break as well. He was just all over the ball. And uh, it's really great signs for a guy who's been pretty quiet over the first uh, half of the season on the wing, and it's great to see him getting more involved in the middle of the field. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing with the Raiders. They've got some really excellent talented players, and they've been kind of lost in the drama that's been happening with them um, over the, the first few weeks of this season. So to see him come out and put on a performance like that, that's sending a warning to the team saying, I'm here and I want to play fullback and I'm taking this opportunity and I'm going to do the best I can with it. So, yeah, it's really good to see him do that. And Sam K is such a talented player. He'll come back and he can play anywhere. Um, obviously not anywhere, but he will he will slot in and do his job anywhere they put him. So it's definitely something to think about for the Raiders, seeing that as a more permanent move. Yeah, a bit of depth never goes astray in rugby league, that's for sure. And I guess you know Brisbane, we say that not they weren't great. The Cowboys sort of went back to their old habits as well. In uh, in round 14, obviously they played the Sharks in Townsville this weekend, and it. You would have expected the Cowboys side to play a lot better than they did against a manly side with no Tom, with no Tom, sorry, without Tom Trebojevic. And we've seen how bad they can be without him. But I guess the Tom Trebojevic factor or the Tom Trebojevic effect is 
has rubbed off on some of the players. Obviously, you know, Cherry Evans probably had one of his best games of the year. Ruben Garrick slotting in a fullback, continued his good form on the wing. And it's it leaves you wondering where the Cowboys are at, given they were, you know, basically blown off the park by a side that, without Tom Trebojevic, as I said, we've seen can be quite lackluster. And they, they got off such a good start as well, and that would have been very easy for them to continue on with that, and also easy on the flip side for Manly to duck their heads, and they didn't. And we spoke last week on the podcast about the Manly being tested, you know, and, and to see if they will go back to their old tricks, and they, they really blew them, out, blew them out of the water, and that's really good to see for the Manly fans, of course, um, that they're not going to, you know, um, go to hell for this, Tommy Turbo gets the injury in the finals or something like that. They're still going to be in it. So that was really good to see from them. But Cowboys are another side similar to Brisbane where they've got glimpses of really good form. And, you know, every week I'm again, I'm tempted to tip them. I tip them a lot and they let me down a lot. So it was very disappointing to see um, them, I guess, as well, miss an opportunity to put a stamp in the competition. Um, you know, Turbo less manly by just letting that lead go and, and just blew out so much from there. Yeah, and it's a huge game this week for the Cowboys, obviously. Uh, the ladder's really starting to shape up a little bit, and uh, we've got a number of teams there fighting for that last two or three positions in the top eight. The Cowboys sitting on 14 points. They've got two teams behind them on 12, and then a bunch sitting on 10 points. Uh, and one of those teams is the Cronulla Sharks, who I think they're a good value to make the top eight. I know the bookies have them about $3. They're about 5.50 last week, and I really think that they can go on a bit of a run over the next few weeks. Their draw gets quite soft from here. They've got uh, the Cowboys and the Broncos, Warriors, Raiders and Bulldogs over the next uh, four or five weeks. So I'd be looking to a guy like Sean Johnston really dominate this period. I thought he had a great game on the weekend, obviously nabbed a try off a pretty fluky play uh, against Penrith on Friday night. And I think his combination with Ronaldo Muatalo is going to be really awesome to watch in a very similar vein from what we always talk about from a guy like Brian Toto. Ronaldo just gives 110% on every run. He hits the line hard. I uh, love the way he brings the ball back from the kick chase and uh, those two could really be a key to success for the Sharks in moving towards a bit of a top eight push over the next sort of six weeks. Yeah, it's in, the, it's in their destiny, isn't it, with the Sharks? And obviously they needed that field goal from from Johnson to get them over the line. And what was – their first half was great, but the second half, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't pretty. It was literally that, that, old, that old rugby league adage, uh, you know, a tale of two halves. And yeah, it was. They, uh, they only just held on and – you know, obviously that was that was credit to your Penrith side in that game, Nat. Yeah, I mean, obviously I was disappointed in them last week, and again it was a disappointing first half. But when you've got a whole bunch of players, you know, playing their second or third games out there, and and, and Matt Burton basically trying to carry the team on his own, they they showed a lot of improvement from the week before, and that's all I asked. You know, we're not going to win all these games, but as long as they're getting better for the for the appearances and getting better for the responsibilities, then I'm I'm happy with that, and I was very happy with the second half. Um, obviously, I think everybody now is very in tune to how good Siri and Luai are, given the fact we saw them in Origin. They're control of the game is second to none. And, um, yeah, it doesn't worry me, I guess, going into playing the Roosters. Obviously, it'll be a bit of a danger game, but I'm quite confident um, that they will get the job done, um, just given how much difference they can make to a team. Yeah, and I think for the Sharks, it was huge to see them completing at 95%. We often see them chanting their hand a little bit. Uh, losing a ball, but I think they've really taken the leaf out of the book of a couple of teams sitting in and around that top eight who are really uh, in the fight, like the Warriors, who just demonstrated that it doesn't matter who you're up against. If you can complete at a rate uh, like 95%, you're going to be tough to beat every week. And obviously, uh, that paid off at the end there with that Jack Williams line break that went to the field goal. Yeah, it was a much-needed Sharks win. And obviously, you know, they they 
were the victors last week against the Panthers. And obviously, as you said, Nat, they play the Roosters in the second game on Friday. And this, you know, obviously, you know, from a Roosters perspective, we've seen them at their best. We've sort of seen them at their worst in patches. That game against the Broncos that you mentioned earlier sort of weren't at their best. But this is going to be a very interesting battle. Obviously, Penrith with the home ground advantage. But I think for me, the battle I'm looking forward to is going to be in the back row, Liam Martin and Capewell yeah. up against Angus Crichton and, and Satili Tupanua. And, I mean, four guys that are in the form of their lives at the moment and, you know, just seem to make it effort, seem to make it make everything effortless when they play on the football field. I think especially considering the fact that Angus Crichton is now obviously available for origin selection, which he wasn't in the first game given his suspension. Um, and, you know, there is an argument that Liam Martin may lose his bench spot to someone like Angus Crichton or there might be a reshuffle that would see that happen. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they match up against one another and to see, um, yeah, how that, that goes. Also, you've got James Fisher Harris and you've got Jai Warrior Hargrave as well. So that's going to be, you know, two of the biggest enforcers in the game. Um, so it's going to be a really exciting matchup there as well. So I'm just very excited for us to have our players back and kind of get back into that rhythm that we were in before um, the origin period hit. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely expecting a top performance from the Roosters as well. And, you know, Sam Walker, he did such a good job last week under high-pressure circumstances. You know, he missed that conversion from the sideline, um, which would have been very easy for someone of his age to get down about it and just pop his head down. But, you know, off the next play, he can field goal. So um, I'm really looking forward to this game. But, yeah, very much happy to have our players back after his 22 weeks. Yeah, and I think you made a great point there, that about sort of the rhythm of the team. Obviously, we look at a team like Manly last week who, for the first half of the season, or first quarter of the season, weren't able to get any wins on the board. And then, obviously, Tom Trebojevic comes back in. They get a little bit of momentum building up. And then you can take Tom Trebojevic out of that side and they're still able to carry on that momentum. And I think that that's going to be the key for Penrith this week is just breaking out of that swamp they had in the last two weeks. Obviously, there was personnel enforced, but you just don't want that to become habit. And I think that they could be a little bit vulnerable this week up against a Roosters team who you know uh, they're going to bring the energy and they're going to bring the effort. They've got a number of guys, even without the experience of uh, Luke Keary, Brett Morris, uh, uh, Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner. A number of these guys have grand final experience, origin experience. Uh, you got James Tedesco running the ship, and uh, I think it's going to be a really tight game. Yeah, and what you said is, you know, winning and losing, it becomes a habit. Um, and I think that's why you see, you know, these streaks happen. They don't happen by accident. Um, you get into this habitual situation where you're winning and it's easy and it comes to you. So I think the fact that um, our Blues boys obviously won that game is helpful because they'll at least be able to bring that winning energy back. But I think if they lost as well, it would be really, really bad for us as a team having that losing habit around us. So hopefully we can step out of that. Yeah, and just based on that loss last week, I thought one possible that did come out was the performance of Isaac Tago off the bench. I thought he really came on and brought a lot of, brought a lot of energy in the second half and really sparked that comeback. Obviously, nabbed the uh, the second try for the Panthers. So I think that's a good confidence boost for all Penrith fans that if one of their back line was to go down, or Charlie Staines or Stephen Crichton, they've got some good uh, good replacements there. And he's actually been picked as well in the squad. He's been picked on the bench. Um, so Tyrone May has lost his spot. And um, yeah, Targo's on the bench, which is a really good reward for him as well for, for a good two games in a limited team. Yeah, pl- plenty of good kids come out of the Penrith system, as we've seen over the last... Two, three to four years and obviously it's paying dividends now and I guess a team that wants to see their dividends pay off guys is the Newcastle Knights they play the Warriors this weekend another home game for the Knights their record at home hasn't been great this year obviously they are helped with the return of Kalen Ponga and Mitchell Pearce and it's much needed their attackers looked 
diabolical to say the least, save for, you know, a couple of games that, that was basically at the hand of Connor Watson that they managed to snag a win. But it's it's just pretty much do or die stakes for the Knights now. They're in 14th. Obviously, they're, they're among those teams that somehow miraculously have that, you know, that magic 10-point figure mark. And it's they pretty much they need to start winning now or they can kiss the finals goodbye. I just find the Knights, the Knights have been a very disappointing side um, the past few years because I know they have injuries, I understand that, but they've got talent all around their team. Um, and they've got players that were really excelling last year, such as Bradman Best, for example, who just hasn't reached those heights this year. And obviously it's difficult for him to do that in a depleted team, but it's still disappointing to see. And I just think that something needs to change at Newcastle because they're a, an area that's so proud of their football team. And I think there's some questions over their culture and that kind of thing um, of, of late. And the way they're performing in the games, you can't help but think maybe that is a problem uh, because the effort plays aren't there. So, yeah, I think they need to turn it around and turn it around very quickly. Yeah, and for me, I'm really looking forward to this game purely because of the battle with the number ones. Kaelin Ponga returning from injury up against Reese Walsh back from suspension this week. Both guys should be fresh after a little bit of layoff, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to watching two of the most electric players in the league at the moment. I think that Reese Walsh is almost a mini prototype of Kaelin Ponga, the way he's come into the league over the first couple of weeks. And yeah, I just can't wait to watch the battle of those two. They're going to be really required. And I think that Reese Walsh, his combination with Roger Tuivasa-Shex is going to be really important. We saw that uh, in the game against the Tigers earlier in the season, the way that they combined really well was crucial to their success in the attack. And I think on the other side, Kaelin Ponga could link up with a guy like Dom Young, who we saw for the second time last week uh, after his move over from England. Yeah, Dom Young did look pretty good, obviously. You know, played played one game previously, got injured, and I guess in a side that sort of is craving for, for, for players to step up, Dom Young, even though he's, he's only played a couple of games, he's certainly out, outperforming some of his more experienced backline players. And, you know, I guess Heimel Hunt comes back in as well, given Bradman Best is injured. And it just seems like Best can't stay on the park this year and, you know, presents the opportunities for other guys to play in. They really need some players to step up. It, I mean, obviously the Warriors side are, I guess, equally inconsistent this year. Obviously, I, the the big talking point on their end is Harris Tavita is out for the the rest of the year after he tore a pectoral muscle, and Sean O'Sullivan comes in. But I mean, on their day, if their forward pack gets to roll on, they're gonna they can beat potentially beat most sides in this competition. Yeah, no, the Warriors are quite against um, Melbourne, of course, but I think as well, um, Melbourne are a bit of a bogey team for them and they have been for some time, so it's maybe one of those performances you take with a grain of salt because they have been quite good this year and they've been winning the games they should be winning, so I think this will be another one for them. Yeah, I have to tend to agree. I think that even though there was Wade Egan as well, who's been pretty solid over the first half of the season, at fullback they get a nice replacement there in Jazz Tavunga, who we mentioned last week after he was dropped out of the side, and um, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how Jazz goes in his return to the starting squad. Yeah, plenty of plenty of good action to look forward to in that game. And, you know, the St. George Illawarra Dragons, guys, obviously they play Canberra in the second game on Saturday. We know how, I, I don't mean to offend Bulldogs fans, they've, you know, they, they've, the effort has been there, you know, the players bust their backsides, obviously it's just the, the personnel, the, you know, the lack of execution, it just doesn't click and they get blown away. The Dragons made the Bulldogs team that has been struggling all year look like absolute superstars. And, I mean, where to for the Dragons? I mean, Anthony Griffin has named the exact same 17. 
we may see Zach Lomax come back in who's on the reserves, but that was not a great performance against by the Dragons. And they come up against the Raiders side that, as you mentioned earlier, Nat, you know, Bailey Simonson's clicking a fullback. They seem to have found a bit of their groove. And if the Dragons aren't prepared for it, it could be ugly yet again. This is an absolutely perfect game for the Raiders to continue on their form. And, you know, you can only play with who's in front of you, and they're lucky enough to have two games in a row that are very winnable for them. As for the Dragons, their performance on, on Monday was probably one of the worst I've seen all year. Um, you talk about the Bulldogs. I mean, every single game the Bulldogs have played this year, they may have lost. They may have lost by 40. They may have lost by 10. But they try. They put in that effort every single week. And there was no effort from the Dragons. It was just the offense is non-existent. And we were speaking about Matt Duffy last week, and I remember I, I was saying I was saying I don't know why they're letting him go, and I saw a very good example of why they were thinking of doing that on the weekend because defensively, it was just something else. Um, so I think I just see this as a as a Raiders slam dunk really, um, because I don't know how the Dragons bounce back with the exact same 17. There's no um, repercussions to the performance they put on when everybody just got picked again. So. Yeah, I don't know where they go. I think for me, the result of the game came down to the Dragons' discipline. They only ended up with 42% of possession. They completed at 25% lower than the Bulldogs, 94% to 70. They just didn't receive the ball in good attacking positions throughout the whole game. The Bulldogs did an excellent job of executing a very simple game plan, which we anticipated last week after their performance against Penrith a couple of weeks ago. Just get to the end of their sets, kick into the corners, kick long, out of trouble. And they did that, and they put the Dragons under pressure and forced a number of errors. The Dragons came into round 14 with the fourth most errors in the comp. But coming into this round, they now have the most errors in the competition after uh, having 12 on the weekend. Their discipline was an issue in penalties as well. Six penalties to four. They had five ruck infringements. So it's really going to be a challenge for Anthony Griffin moving forward to, to really instill some discipline back into this Dragons side. We know that what they can do through guys like Dufty, Norman and Hunt, if they're in the right positions of the field, but they're not really a team like Melbourne who can just attack from anywhere. They need to be in the right spots to put on nice attacking players and get the wingers involved in Ravalara and uh, Ramsey, and they weren't able to do that against the Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs were too good. Yeah, they certainly were, and they've got a lot a lot to improve on if they're going to you know, even think about getting their season back on track. And I guess the last game on Saturday, Saturday Tom, is obviously your Tigers against, against the Storm, and... I guess on paper you pick, you know the the storm are the favourites you know that we we know what they can do they you know eventually proved to be far too strong for the Warriors last week in a a pretty commanding performance which must be said wasn't a a Nico Hines dominated performance either they certainly had other players around around him step up but I guess for you Tom you know obviously we know that it wasn't a great game from the Tigers overall against the Eels mind you I will say this in your defence I thought. And this was for both the Tigers and the Eels. I thought that the refereeing in that game was pretty average, to say the least, just in terms of, you know, the, the to the casual observer, they may not think much of it. But, you know, there was a lot of some six against that were called, for example, I thought probably were, were harsh. And then there were other times when I thought they could have been called but weren't called. And I think Grant Atkin just lost control of that game a little bit with the players. And, you know, obviously Sean Bloor went off, Papa Lee went off. Nathan Brown was put on report, and I think he could have done more to try and get the players to, I guess, go with what he wanted to, but in the end, he lost control, and I think the Tigers, Tom, were probably guilty of not trying too hard, but I think they were probably more guilty of 
just of trying to, I guess, play a game that is not their natural game. And, you know, in the end, particularly when they went down to 12 men, which when, when Sean Bloor went off, they just seemed to implode. Obviously, the Eels scored three tries, and that was probably the death knell in the end for that game. Yeah, 100%. And I think that they just lost the key moments, and I think that that created the momentum that the Eels needed. And I think that Eels are a team, obviously, they've been accused over the last couple of years of turning into flat-track bullies, but you've got to give credit to them where credit's due, and that's for when they get that momentum, they run with it. And we saw that, as you mentioned, with uh, when Sean Ball went off, uh, the Eels ran in those three tries, and the Moses try really ended the game. Obviously, I think that the Tigers' discipline didn't help them either. They had 14 errors, considered nine penalties in addition to nine set restarts. So the Eels just had way too much ball for the Tigers to handle and up against a team like Parramatta, who are so strong, especially on the edges where the Tigers can be quite weak in defence. They just got themselves down the wrong end of the field and just didn't give themselves enough attacking chances. Obviously, that's going to be key this week against the Storm. Over the years, the Tigers have troubled the Storm on a number of occasions. I think it was in 2018 we beat them on our two matchups earlier in the season, but they were both close yeah, grinding that. affairs. Yeah, it was like 12-10, 14-12 in both of those games. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then uh, I think it was two years ago, might have been 2019, in Ryan Pappenhausen's first game for the Storm, the Tigers were up down there at Amy Park, and I think they lost 24-22 in the end. So we know that the Tigers can trouble the Storm, but obviously this Melbourne side is red hot at the moment, and uh, you just think that they've probably got too many points in them, especially with the loss of Adam Dewey, who doesn't look like he's going to uh, who doesn't look like he's going to back up uh, after he got a bit of a head clash on the weekend. Be interesting to see how Ken Mamalo goes in his first club, uh, first game for the club, though. I'm really keen to see how uh, he links up with uh, this week James Roberts, and I think moving forward we'll see Roberts drop out of the side and Adam Dewey sort into the centres with him. Yeah, I think um, well, on that with Ken Mamalo, I think he's a really, really good signing for the Tigers. He's a big body, um, which is really good for them. And I think any player who's going to score a hat trick in their last game for their team, you know, the commitment to the team and his effort plays was was still there, even though he knew he would be at a different team, you know, 24 hours later. So that's really good for him as well, personally. Um, I think the Tigers as well, they've got really good potential in terms of their attack. We've seen them attack. They can really, they've got it in them. But I think mentally, they've got to work on, I guess, not ducking their heads when things go wrong. Um, because it's even harder to do in this, this game now where the send-offs are a bit more prevalent and sin bins are a bit more prevalent because not only if someone scores a try against you, um, you have to worry about, you know, not letting that spiral. Sometimes you might have a player or even two off and trying to stop that from spiralling as well. So I think um, they've got all the potential in the world. They've just got a uh, little, maybe the coaching, I don't really know what it is with the Tigers, but I do think they can't trouble the storm. I, I remember... Um, that they have been a bogey team of sorts to them in the past. So I'm I'm hoping, I'm partly hoping we see a decent close game. Yeah, and I think that that's something that Michael Maguire has flagged in the past. I remember after the Souths game earlier in the season where uh, Burgess won it on the buzzer, that Michael Maguire said the next day that it's not so much about the, the, the calls that you receive, it's about how you respond to them. And he said that the good sides in this league do receive 60% of the 50-50s, and it's unfortunate, but that's just the way it goes, and teams have to be able to respond to that. And I think that the Tigers' game plan, uh, you mentioned there, Ricky, that they got trapped into playing uh, the Eels style of game. And I think that it's very clear what they're going to try and do, the Tigers, over the next 10 weeks as we round out this season. They're going to be playing early through their wingers. They're going to be having runs from David Nofaluma, Tommy Talao and Ken Mamalo. They'll be all up over 200 or 150, 200 metres each game. And then it's going to be about attacking late in the sets through Luciano Leilua and Luke Garner on the edges, as we've seen over the first half of the season, then hopefully injecting um, some strength through uh, the interchange forwards later in the game to just shore up that defence through the middle of the field. Yeah, they certainly certainly have to be at their best if they're going to be beating the Storm, who, you know, 
<laughs> they just just nothing seems to phase them at the moment, and they can kill you from literally any position on the park. And you know, I guess equally the Eels would did a pretty good job of that as well on the weekend, Tom, as you mentioned, the Moses try especially, which I think for that try, everyone focuses on Mitchell Moses, but I I think the the best part of that play, and, and as Eels fans, we talk about it a lot, they like to run a play where sometimes you'll see the back row hit the gap. Obviously, it's Papa Lee on that left edge, and other times you'll see him take it to the line and it's the deft pass that pretty much sucks in the centre and it leaves that gap through and you know, Dewey fell for it. Moses goes, or oh, Dewey? Was it Dewey? Yeah, I think he just wants yeah. his footing. Yeah. yeah, Dewey sort of, he, he, he you know, committed to Papa Lee, couldn't regather the gap opens. And I, it, it's, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, like a, uh, I like little set sort of plays like that that have different variations and whatnot. And yeah, look, in the end, you know, it was a good win. It's, you know, particularly with the dogs and we have the bye and and then uh, the, the Penrith clash and, I think for me, the one thing I'm still amazed about is Wanga Blake has played two good games in a row. I mean, it's, I, I, I mean, you, I'm just as, amazed. <laughs> yeah, it, well, yeah, we, we were talking about it last week as well. On that, yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Yeah. Like it's, it's, this is not the same Wanga Blake that, you know, was was missing tackles galore and rushing in, you know, earlier in the season, and may it continue and and you know, obviously. It'll be Opajek and Dunster on the other edge to, I guess, hold the fort down there. But yeah, it was a good game, and I, I, I think the, the key player for me in that game, he came back from suspension as well. I think he, you could see in his eyes that I think he means business now, and probably realised that the, that those sliding knees on Drew Hutchison wasn't a good look, and you know Dylan Brown came out and came out with a purpose. No, he did. He did. Um, he did very well. I, I you know. He's a very talented player, and that was a very unfortunate incident that we saw um, with the Roosters a while back. And while I, I, I don't think there was the intent there that others might may have seen, I think obviously you've got to clean that up, get out of your game. But Ricky, there's actually something you know, obviously that came out of the game that I saw as well, and that was the Moses and Gusso um, exchange. I mean, as a Parramatta fan, I was interested to know how you, you felt about that because I understand Parramatta fans are quite almost used to it with Moses, but. Um, Completely honest with you, if it happened to in my team to Isaiah Year or Nathan Fury, I would be disgusted um, with the player. So I'm interested to see how what you think about that. Uh, let's just say it's it's encouraged by Brad Arthur, and they do it at training all the time. I think uh, it's it's the media has made a a huge nonsensical fuss out of this. If they go to training, I mean it's it's not just Moses and Gutho. Literally, at training, even some, like, for example, Sean Russell, that is going to obviously make his debut this weekend. When when the when the you do, when the Eels run the opposed sessions, I know, you know, some teams sort of say, oh, you know, right, take it easy, blah, blah, blah. But Arthur's like, boys, you go in like you play, you know, you're like you're playing first grade. And there was a an, inc- an instance earlier in the year where Sean Russell, I think he's 18 or 19, absolutely leveled Ferguson with... with an, uh, just a, a bell ringer of a tackle, and Fergo got straight back up. Said, "Mate, good tackle." And I said, "I know it looks bad, you know, for, for fans to think, oh, you know, Moses shouldn't be saying that at the captain and blah blah." But that's that's just how the how how Brad Arthur wants that side coaches. You know, you pump each other up, and and that's exactly how they talk in training. So I'm not, uh, I'm certainly not surprised to see it. And you know, it, in many ways, Moses is a leader. He's just not the captain, and I think, you know, 
because he's the halfback as well, you you, you sort of you expect plenty from him, and you know he, he has probably been guilty in past years of you know not taking ownership of the side, and you know I I think it was a it was a good thing to basically to just to tell Gutho how he feels, and as I said, they do it all the time, so it's certainly not. Certainly not something I'm I'm too worried about, like the media seems to have been. How about you, Tom? If that was at the Tigers, what would you do? Oh, look, I think that the Tigers need to have a little bit of success before we can get into talking <laughs> about uh, them in that sort of situation. But I think the Tigers fans would just be happy that we're up by, what, 28 points by that stage. But um, at the same time, I think that uh, obviously we see a lot of confidence out of those Eels players. I know I saw a post from you on Twitter during the week, Ricky, about... Um, supporting Gutherson and oh no, there's been a lot of talk about you know whether he should be celebrating on on top of other players and you know doing his dances. For me, you know it's fine, but you've got to back it up. And while Quinn Gutherson has been backing it up throughout the regular season and in these games at Bankwest Stadium, that's not when Eels fans want to see it. They want to see it in week two, week three of the finals. For a lot of New South Wales rugby league fans, we're still scarred by what he did last year in the series where. His defensive efforts went a big way towards the series loss. He's only played in one Origin series, and it was a losing series against arguably Queensland's worst ever side. So, you know, it, for me, it's absolutely fine to bring it out, but you just need to back it up when it really matters. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of celebrations, I'm all for them. Obviously, coming from Penrith, we are very big on it. And I think that um, the energy that comes from those celebrations um, is really important. I think it helps you win games. I genuinely think it's helped Penrith um, go on this role, the fact that we are so... Um, celebratory together. Um, I think that, yeah, maybe I guess with Gutho, you're exactly right in that he plays really well at Bankwest. He's really good when they're up and stuff like that, but we need to see it in all of the other games. And perhaps maybe the other issue some people may have with it is that it's a very um, singular celebration rather than being with the team itself, but I personally don't have any issue with it at all. Don't remind me of the two semi-finals, Tom. I'm just kidding. May it change. I mean, the fortunes have to change at least once once in a lifetime. And obviously the, the final game of the round this week is the Gold Coast Titans and the Manly Seagulls. Obviously, you know, we touched on Manly and how good they were against the Cowboys minus Tom Trebojevic. And to the Titans, I guess to be fair to the Titans in that Roosters game, they had periods where, you know, they looked pretty good. Obviously, the Tino and David Fafita both started off the bench, obviously having played Origin. But there, there were enough signs there to there are enough signs shown by the Titans that if they just get the little things right, if they can defend a bit better on their edges in particular, you know, with the attacking prowess that they've got, they, you know, much like several teams in this competition, if they get the small things right, really anything can happen for them in any any particular game. Yeah, I think so. And I think the Titans, um, that game was so thrilling against the Roosters. I almost wish they won because it just would have been... I think it would have been the biggest comeback of all time. And it was just incredible to see what they were able to do in such a short period of time. And I think even um, when, when we played them earlier this year, we, we ended up winning by a substantial amount. But I left the game in a really, I was in a bad mood from it because we just let them get on top of us at the end. They scored some tries and they just they show where they could just pull it out of nowhere. And for them, it's about stringing together that real 80-minute performance. Um, and if they do, they will actually come to, they will reach the potential which everyone sees them. They've got a really talented roster, you know, Look at how many of their players are playing Origin. So I think that um, they've got every potential to be able to take it to Manly this, this week. And obviously Manly will have Servo back. So um, it'll be a really exciting game. And I definitely wouldn't write the Titans out of this one because um, I think it'll be a really good matchup, especially in the forwards. 
Yeah, obviously it was the Titans game earlier in the year that started Manly's big run. I think they won 36-0 or 42-0 up there. I think it was in Mudgee and uh, Tom Trojevich was the star that day. And naturally, uh, a lot of people will be focused on the matchup between Tom Trojevich and Jaden Campbell. But for me, I'm really excited to watch Jamal Fogarty up against Daly Cherry Evans. Uh, two of probably the best performances last week. I know in terms of Supercoach, they were the two highest performers. And uh, just having a look at some of the stats here, Jamal Fogarty, uh, two tries, two try assists three wine breaks. He was kicking goals as well towards the end in those clutch situations. And then you look at Cherry Evans. He had four try assists, had a hand in another. Uh, he was pretty much steering the ship around without Tom Trevojevic, and he did a superb job of it. Getting guys like Ruben Garrick and Brad Parker involved on that left edge. And it's going to be really crucial for both halfbacks to really uh, take this game by the reins. And I think that whichever, whichever side can uh, control the, the middle of the field and really get themselves into good positions, they'll be able to score points. We know that both sides have points in them. We've seen that against the good sides uh, in games throughout the year. And I think that whether it's going to be David Fafita or a guy like Tom Trevojevich, one of these sides is going to really break the game open. Yeah, it's a good, certainly a very good way to end this round this this round of fixtures. And obviously a lot of the talking points have been about, you know, players coming back from origin, how teams are going to go. But there's been some pretty big off-field, you know, incidents, obviously all good or mostly all good. And, I guess probably one of the biggest ones in the last 12 to 18 hours, guys, has been the confirmed retirement of Boyd Courtner. Obviously, you know, he's he's battled his fair share of concussions, as we've seen, hasn't played since the Origin Series last year. Or he was knocked out for, I think it was the fourth time that year. And obviously that's when, you know, you need to take a step back, which he did. And, you know, you only had to hear him talk about the fact that in the end, he made the decision because he wasn't sure what, what what would happen if the next head knock was to happen. And I, I think he sort of, he realised that, you know, I should walk away from football while I can instead of, you know, ending up like a vegetable or or ending up with, you know, with, with long-term damage, given that now we've seen, you know, particularly across all sports, not just yet, not just rugby league, that concussion, you know, if undiagnosed can be, detrimental to long-term health yeah i think it's also a massive approach to the roosters they've um proved themselves to be a club that take concussion extremely seriously over the years i think luke curie had an extended um period of time on the sidelines due to concussion last year as well um they've taken precautions um with a number of their players so i think it's great that they've um supported him with this and probably helped him get that decision um i feel really awful for boyd i think being 29 and the career he's had has been fantastic but Having a career cut at 29 for anybody is just a lot to take, um, especially this day and age. You can probably have another six, seven years in you. So it's quite, um, it'd be quite a lot for him to have to deal with, I think. Um, and I think he's done an absolutely admirable job at conducting himself throughout the whole thing. Um, and I really hope that he, um, I guess, sparks the trend that you need to make sure that, you know, football will come and go, but it's the rest of your life that matters more. Um, and I'm sure he wants to have a family and that kind of thing. And you want to be present for your children. You want to be there. You want to be um, coherent. All these things are put at risk if he goes again and gets hit, ahead, hit, hit in the head again. So um, I think he's done a wonderful job. It's very sad to see him retire. We saw him win three premierships for the Roosters in 2013 and then 2018-19. And then also uh, New South Wales is part of stopping the, the eight straight, the dynasty for Queensland, and then came back later on as captain and uh, won a couple of series later on in his career. And, Obviously, he's a leader on the field, but also this is uh, just a sign that he was such a leader off the field. He's really taken a stance on concussion, and while he wanted to come back, I think there's 
it demonstrates uh, what a tremendous leader he was off the field that he was able to take this stance and uh, wave wave on on such a what is such a sour note. But I think he'll be remembered not only as great for the Roosters but also for the Blues for year to for years to come. Yeah, I think it's a testament to a player when they retire. I mean, much like Brett Morris got the same sort of raps and accolades from rival fans that, you know, whether you retire because it's your own decision or you're forced to, I think it's a it's a testament to the player when, you know, these things happen and you pretty much have an entire NRL community just basically saying, you know, great career. And he, he did it all. You know, he, he may have only played 181 mm-hmm. games, three premierships. He was captain in two of them for the Roosters. He won Origin Series with New South Wales. He won, you know, he's played for Australia, won won World Cups and stuff with Australia. So it's, you know, look, it, it, it's unfortunate his career has to end that way, but you know, he, he certainly did a lot in in I guess the shorter period of time that that he had, considering that you know now we think players can go on to play 300 games easily. Well, I guess another bit of exciting news that came through this week, and certainly something that many people have been calling for. We've seen an expansion of the NRLW competition. Obviously, the Gold Coast Titans, the Newcastle Knights and the Parramatta Eels are the three new sides. The New Zealand Warriors have dropped out for this year. Obviously, the pandemic has meant, or sorry, the continued pandemic scenario has obviously forced their hand. So it's going to be the six teams and the Warriors will look to rejoin for 2022. But, you know, this has been on the cards for a while. It's happened. Uh, we know that the Eels have Dean Witters as their inaugural coach, and he's been involved with Women's Rugby League for quite some time, as has Jamie Feeney, who's been announced as the Gold Coast Titans NRLW coach. And I guess, if anything, guys, it just means it's, you know, a a better all-round game and sort of makes it more interesting to see where some of the high-profile players may end up rather than always being at the same team for for years on end. Yeah, I think it's um, so exciting. I think, you know, something I've been a big advocate for throughout my career um, is that, you know, if you want to do something, you shouldn't have any roadblocks in your way to, to doing exactly that, if that's what you want to do with your life. And I think for so long, um, women in rugby league to actually go out there and be a player and be a professional player has just not been an option for them. So it's so exciting to see that happen um, for the for the women that have that ability. I myself definitely do not. Um, but it's really nice to see that happen and see that expand throughout a few more teams as well. So I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. And I think the next step is... Uh, to look at how this competition might play out. Obviously, uh, it's going to happen during that finals window. And fingers crossed that this year, as they work through the draw, we might see some more games. Obviously, that's been a criticism over the last couple of years that uh, we don't receive enough games to constitute a full season. And fingers crossed that this can slowly expand and eventually uh, we can mirror sort of what the AFL has uh, with AFLW. And uh, they've done a tremendous job down there, particularly in Melbourne, to to grow the game in, in, in the women's sector. And I think that Rugby League will be looking to follow their lead uh, on that one. Yeah, you'd certainly hope so, and you know it, it's it's been a long time coming. I think even you know several high-profile female players have you know I guess have missed out on playing in competitions like the NRLW because you know with the four teams that there were, there's only so many spots, and you know you only have to go and see how well some of the girls are playing in the, the Harvey Norman's women's Harvey Norman's women's premiership or the BHP premiership up in Queensland, and there's certainly plenty of talent there to go around and. You know, it's 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 a great sign and a great development for, you know, women's rugby league. And, you know, it, it's a chance for that next generation talent to sort of come in, make their mark. And 
you know, eventually reach the highest stage, which will be international football, and this is a good foundation to do that. Absolutely. I guess, and and finally, I guess uh, another piece of news that has pleased Warriors fans this week. Obviously, we know that the sacrifices that they've made in obviously this year and and last year just to keep the NRL up and running, and they got the confirmation from the NRL, and obviously through through their their discussions with them. August 15, I think it's around 22 or 23, they're going to go back to New Zealand and, and play a home game. And I don't think you'd you'd be very hard-pressed to find anyone that would be in disagreement with that, given how much they sacrificed, obviously, as individual players, as a team, as, a, as an organisation, just to keep the NRL continuing, basically. Yeah, it's been incredible to see what they've done. They've just um, they've been amazing. You've never heard of PTASM as well in terms of those they're sacrificing. They're not seeing their families, their children, their wives. Um, and for them to, to be able to go and finally do that and reunite with them and play in front of their home soil as well for New Zealand fans who haven't been able to see a live game in such a long time, I think it'd be a very emotional match and I'd hate to be the team playing them um, because you're going to be public enemy number one. But I think it's incredible and I think it's such a good reward for them. So, you know, hopefully next year it's sailing uh, season for them at home and this is going to be a, um, a little leading into that. Yeah, 100%. And adding to that emotion, it'll be Roger Tuivasa's last game in New Zealand. I'm sure the fans will be out to congratulate him on a terrific career and wish him all the best for his stint in rugby union. I think that uh, what he's done for his Warriors club has been immense over the years. He's been such a terrific leader on and off the field, obviously off the field, especially through that COVID period last season. And I think it's just an absolute credit to two of us check in this Warriors organisation that have been able to put up the results that they have over the past year uh, to almost make the finals last year and still be well and truly in the race this year, even playing away from home. So uh, tremendous things that they're doing down there uh, at the Warriors with Cameron George as the CEO. And I think that they're putting together the pieces for a really nice run uh, in the future now with Reese Walsh and a couple of young guns coming through in the forwards. I think I've got some uh, really exciting, uh, they've got a really exciting future down there at the Warriors. Yeah, they're certainly building nicely. I think it, I think it was an article that we touched on a couple of months ago, Tom, regarding the the possibility of the Warriors playing, I guess, essentially three quarters of their season in, in New Zealand with, you know, the the idea that other teams would take their games to locations like Christchurch, New Plymouth, you know, Dunedin, these venues that have held, I guess, trial games before just as a almost like a thank you to, to the Warriors for the sacrifices that they have made. And hopefully this this game on August 15 is, I guess, the start of that. And, you know, as I said, it's certainly the things that they've done for this game to, to keep it running. You know, I, I don't think too many teams would be disappointed in, in, in taking a game over there as, as a way of saying, you know, thank you to, to the Warriors. Absolutely, 100%. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Take the Two, certainly. Plenty of club action to look forward to. And, We'll be back here next week to dissect all of it once again.